Welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. So this is going to be our first podcast. And the biggest thing about a podcast, of course, is for you to sit there and ask me questions. So it's just going to be like my radio show, except you're going to have to type the questions in here to YouTube. That's going to be the way we start it. Now, again, we're starting this at three o'clock in the afternoon because that's the way my old show was on EWTN. And we're going to keep it here for, you know, three weeks or so to just to bring the old and then we'll go to another time. So it's going to be whatever time is going to work best, whether that's at night or different things. Now, tonight, we're going to have my regular Pints with Padre is going to be about 8, 10 p.m., but that'll be the last one we do live stream because originally the whole point of the Pints with Padre was for me to be with my parish. So now that uh, the restrictions and that are easier, I can sit there at my parishioners live beginning next month and we can just start spending time uh, with each other again. So this will be the primary way that I deal with everybody uh, and answer questions and answers for this amount of time. Anyway, so this is what we're going to do for now. And again, it's called Anchored in Hope. And the reason it's called Anchored in Hope is because of the foundation. Huh? That I started the foundation, how many years ago now? I can't even remember. And, uh, but we started it on 1 Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 15. It says, always be ready to give the reason for your hope. And so that's what we're focusing on. We want, you know... Everything, every time, I want this to people, when people are listening and you're watching, I want people to walk away more inspired and more hopeful. I don't want this to be a thing where I'm fighting with people and all that kind of stuff. If you want to watch that, watch someone else. I want this to be a time where we can answer questions, we can bring people to hope and help them to know truth. You know, and so that's the, what we're going to be focusing on here. So again, the best thing to do is to answer is put, start typing in questions here on the bottom and, uh, and then we'll have to go from there and you're going to have to be uh, patient with me because I'm going to just be looking at how all these things are. Everybody's saying congratulations, but we need to have uh, questions in that coming too. Just a couple other things is that what we're doing here with the with this is this is what I'm going to do once a week. It'll be a live call-in show. But then what's going to happen in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start doing interviews and podcasts with people. And again, it's going to be people that are famous, not famous, uh, Catholics, Protestants. It's going to be anyone who has hope. And I'm, the very question I'm always going to ask them is, what is the reason for your hope? What gives you hope? So that we can, again, Everything's now in the, in the church and in the world is so negative. And I can get that way very easily. And the reality is I am sick of it. And I'm sure you're sick of it. So we're going to focus on those things that we know that God is in control. God is in control of everything. God's in control of your heartbeat right now, of my heartbeat right now, the whole world, all the 300 million or billion planets there are, suns there are in the world. I mean, in the universe, God's in control of it all. He can control and everything, uh, everything that's happening in our life. So one of the biggest things that uh, is this is going to be an act of faith that God is in control, that we don't have to worry. 
And that's the problem. I think everybody's always worried about all these different things. So again, so that's where we're going to be going. And I just ask you, you have to be patient with me in the beginning of all this. Uh, as you can see the studio, we have a nice little studio set up here. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting you know, all the stuff, there's the hope picture, there's the anchor of hope, there's St. Joseph right over me, because why? I'm the pastor at St. Joe's, but also it's the year of St. Joseph. And then we have two popes up here and the two things there, it's John Paul II, and then Pope Francis, and then we have the Bible, the Code of Canon Law, and the Catechism. Those are things you just kind of need. We have a lighthouse, and it usually lights, but right now it's blinking, and the blinking was driving me insane. So, we have to get it so it's not blinking. And then we have the cross of Jesus Christ, of course, what all things are. And then we got Our Lady of Guadalupe, because it's my favorite of all the uh, apparitions is Our Lady there. And she brings us such hope. And the reality of just her being pregnant. Everybody that's pregnant is filled with hope, correct? About the reality of the new life that is coming. And that's what I want us to focus on, the new life that's coming in the person of Jesus Christ. And there we'll go. Okay, so the first thing I want to do is pray. How about that? Why don't we pray? That'd be good. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, we know that you're right here with all of us, that none of us are ever alone, that you are with us, that you are within us, that you filled us with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we ask you that you would explode that spirit in our hearts and our lives, not, the, not a cowardly spirit, but one that will make us strong, loving, and wise. Help us to know your will and to live your will, and that everything we do brings you glory. We beg you these things, Lord Jesus, in your most holy name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, let's get right into here for questions. Do, 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 do. Awesome. So very glad you're back. I'm glad I'm back, too. Um, back in 15 minutes. Congratulations. Always ready to listen to you. Okay, we're ready. Nice setup. Volume is a little low. Is it better, the volume now? I was too away from the, I was away. I was too far away, but I can bring it up. Again, I'm just my first time even using this board and watching everything at the same time. It's, it's, I think it's fine because it seems, yeah, it should be fine. I was too away before. So how is your Lent going? It's going very well by God's grace, you know. I'm not a big Lent person myself, to tell you the truth. I'm more of an Easter person. But there's no way to get to Easter except through Lent. That's why in the middle of Lent, we got to be filled with hope. Because if not, you can get kind of like, I got to fast again. I got to, you know, no meat today. Like on Fridays, it's one of my worst things is not being able to eat meat. You know, when I start fasting, um, about two, three years ago, same time a priest called me and he says, you do know, Larry, that you don't have to fast anymore because once you're 58, you don't have to fast by church law. And I go, sure, the very time I start fasting is the very time I don't have to do it. But my thing is on Fridays. So tomorrow when you cannot eat meat, don't you always want a hamburger on Fridays? I know I do. It's always one of those things. And so, and then you have these people that really, 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 really like fish. And I said, it's not fair. You should give up, uh, 
you should have to eat meat on Fridays because you like fish so much, but nobody listens to me. Anyway, so, but yes, thanks for asking. Okay, let's see. What is a good prayer to remind me and to ho- memorize of God's hope? Again, I think that the, the one I just talked about, 1 Peter 3.15, is a great one because it reminds us that we need to be telling others about hope. Um, again, like I remember, I, if you have ever listened to me, I often talk about the difference between Catholics and Protestants, meaning that, you know, when everybody comes up to me and they'll ask me, on, you know, whether I'm in clerics, outside of clerics, you know, uh, I was talking, uh, I've told the story before, but here I am driving. I was down and giving a, a parish mission in a parish in Florida and a panhandle. And then I had a drive down to Tampa and it was a six hour drive. I didn't realize uh, I was going right from a, a parish mission to a men's conference in Tampa, and I didn't know it was that far. But anyway, so I'm driving down. I had my car off because, remember, I used to be a lot fatter. And uh, I had it next to me, and I get up to a pole because there's a pole every five miles in Tampa, down in Florida. And so I get there, and um, the woman says, how are you today, sir? And I said, I am blessed. How are you? And she says, and she says, she didn't answer how much she was. She just said to me, she says, don't we serve a great and mighty God? I said, we serve a great and mighty God. And so when I pulled away, there was, I said, there's always one thing I knew about that woman. And this is, this is judgmental. It's very bad. And I said, she's not Catholic. Why? Because you ask Catholics how they are, and it's, oh, the valley of tears. Oh, if only my son would come to the church. Oh, these people that are way, oh, all the problems in the world. And you just think, is that who we are? Are we people of the good news or are we people of how bad it is do we curse the darkness every time we talk or do we bring light into the darkness and i think that what we're called more than anything is to be the light that brings and pierces the darkness again remember that no matter how intense the darkness is it can never conquer the light you and i have the light of Jesus Christ living inside of us. So we just got to get out of the way. You know, we don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. We don't have to be afraid of today. We don't have to be afraid of the darkness. We don't have to be afraid that the devil might win. You know, I was watching uh, something. I was posting my stuff on Facebook, and they had a quote from someone that says, the church is dying because da 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 And I'm thinking, really? So Jesus Christ can die again? He is the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and the church, you cannot separate it. Again, when people start saying that kind of stuff, they're cursing darkness and they're, they're living in despair and they're living not in hope. And again, the three greatest virtues are what? Faith, hope, and love. So we got to be living all these virtues. And so again, that's what we got to be focused on. And that's what we're going to keep focused on, hopefully. So, but again, one of the biggest things, so uh, if you want something more, you just put hope in Google, hope in scriptures. And there's a bunch of stuff. What I want to do is every time I want to give a different scripture verse on hope every time I have a podcast. And I also want to talk about, you know, what the saints said about hope. Because again, sometimes the only thing we quote about the saints is about how bad things are again. And it's a tribulation and God is coming back. Promises, promises. You know, if you knew that God was going to come back tonight and the world was going to end tonight, would you be upset? Would you be crying? If you would, you don't know Jesus yet. 
You should be ecstatic if Jesus was coming home tonight. If he was going to come and take us, we should be smiling from ear to ear that God is coming to take us home. That's what we believe, and we should be joy-filled. We don't have to go around crying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. We know that when Jesus comes, some of us are going to be looking at him and smiling from ear to ear. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for me. And some of us will be petrified. But if you're petrified, there's a problem. You should be very trusted trusting this God who died for you and went to the cross to save you from your sins and does everything in his power to save you. So you and I should always be joyful no matter what. So just uh, so like uh, today, the quote I wanted to use for the saints was uh, Saint Padre Pio. You know, Padre Pio who suffered for 50 years with the stigmata. But what was his advice? And I have it on a cup that we gave out to all our prisoners this year. Pray, hope, and don't worry. Pray, hope, and don't worry. What a great thing the saints help us. Again, because you and I are going to get to live forever one day. Isn't that what we believe? One day we're going to be in heaven. Isn't that what we believe? And then again, Teresa Avila says, all the way to heaven is heaven. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way. So, we can sit there and focus on the reality of Jesus in our own hearts and our own lives and always have a lot of hope and joy inside of us, okay? So let's go on here. Why does Jesus tell people to not tell anyone about their healing after he heals them? It's called the messianic secret, especially in Mark's gospel, but the other gospels too. It was because that too often, like again, remember when Jesus went and fed the uh, the 5,000, and then they come looking at him. And what does Jesus say? He says, you're not coming to me because you're converted or whatever. You're coming to me because you had your fill of the loaves, which means what? You're only coming to me for what I can do for you. And remember, again, what Jesus calls us to, he says, no one can be my disciple unless you do what? Pick up your cross every day and follow in my footsteps. Deny yourself pick up your cross and follow in my footsteps. And again, a lot of people only go to Jesus so that you can heal me, so you can bless my family, so you can give me strength, you can give me courage. That cannot be the primary reason we come to Jesus. He'll, of course, do all that stuff for us. But only when we come to him and say, I completely surrender my life to you, that I exist, Jesus. You know, think about your own relationship with God. Are you in a relationship with God to please him or for him to please you? Does he exist in your own prayer life, in your own spiritual life, to do the things you need him to do? Is he like the magical uh, rabbit's foot that gives you, you know, rub him when you need him and then you put him away later? What God's calling all of us to is a relationship. And this relationship will cost you your life, period. You know, but that, you know, we... That can scare some people, but it sure shouldn't. Because when we get crucified with Christ, again, if you, if you don't know, everybody should know by now, if you've done any of the stuff with me, my favorite verse of the Bible is Galatians 2, 19 and 20. Used to be just Galatians 2, 19, but the, they did a little bit of change in, depending on your translation. But anyway, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. That means I've died with Christ. I'm dead. I have been crucified with Christ. The life I live now is no longer my own. Jesus Christ lives inside of me. 
I still live my human life, yes, but it's a life of faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. That's the reality that this God of ours loves us and gives his life for us. And so it's going to be on my gravestone when I die at 120 because the good die young, right? And we all know I'm going to be at least 120, maybe 150. Who knows? I'll be the oldest. Good die young. I'm going to be along, around a long time. We know. We know enough to say it. But so, but the reality is of all this stuff, that when we die with him, then we live with him because then Jesus Christ lives inside of us and he's resurrected. So again, you can decide to focus on just dying or you can focus on, I'm going to die, but I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to let Jesus Christ live his life through me. Again, a lot of people sit there and think that being a Christian is about doing all these things. And, you know, I'm really weak. I can't get out of the way. Let Jesus inside of you live his life in you. Is that what Paul said? I no longer live. Jesus lives inside of me. So am I still living or is Jesus living inside of me? Am I still afraid or is Jesus in his uh, strength living inside of me? Am I here to do God's will every day? Every day, do you come before God in the morning and say, God, I exist today to please you. Tell me what you want. Hmm? Today, when I went to the scriptures, as always, it came and it says, God's will for you is to be holy. And I, Thank you. <laughs> it's just the whole thing. This is God's will for me. He wants me to be holy. And again, that's part of what we all got to be. We got to be holy. So again, today I seek to please him. Hopefully we're all seeking to please him. I do it real good sometimes. And sometimes I do it extremely bad. But either way, I know he's always on my side, that he always wants me to be holy, that he does everything in his power as God to save me. And I just got to keep surrendering to him and he'll take care of it. So that's why when it goes back to, he, he said, don't tell anybody so people don't come to him just for them. They come to him for him. I hope that helps. Okay. Father Larry, what's the best way to respond to people who criticize you for being Catholic? Again, that happens a lot, huh? And uh, sometimes people are doing it because they think that they're trying to help us. You know, they think that we're just into statues and Blessed Mother and we're, you know, we're losing Jesus. And I always say, you know, the best thing to do, especially if they're a family member, is say, thank you for your concern for me. And then that completely disarms them and say, you know, I pray every day and this is where Jesus has led me. And that, again, it'll disarm them because they think that they have the fullness of truth, just like we think we have the fullness of truth. <laughs> we all do. Muslims do. I often say, you know, there's only 32% of the world is Christian. And yet we all think this is the way it is because we're in America and everybody thinks the way I do. Most of the world does not think the way we do. It's just that simple. So when people are trying to convert us, just like when we're trying to convert others, that's when they have, or they have problems with, you know, because of the uh, scandal, uh, the priesthood. There's, there's lots of reasons why people uh, are usually ex-Catholics. And so they can't like the church because then they're going to feel guilty about leaving the church. So they have to demonize it the, to make themselves feel better. But if you can just share with them the reality of what Jesus does for you in the church, like, again, I've often said, I'd have left the Catholic Church years ago, please, but I couldn't give up the Eucharist. I just can't because Jesus said, this is my body. 
And it's so funny. So if a fundamentalist is the one that says, uh, you know, gets mad at you for being Catholic, says, how come you believe in the world is created in seven days uh, because the Bible says so? But when Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, uh, you don't believe him. So everything else is fundamentally, this is what we have to believe it. When Jesus, who is God, says, this is my body, this is my blood, you don't believe him when he says this? In John 6, you know, where it says, my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And they go, oh, no, no, it's a symbol. Uh, the first thousand years of the church, everybody never even questioned that, right? You know, who's the oldest church as, as old as Catholicism is orthodoxy. Orthodoxy believes in the real presence. You know, even when they're sitting there talking about the Bible, again, the Bible was not written. Uh, it was written throughout the years, but didn't become to the New Testament that we have it now until about the year 390 at the Council of Rome. There was a couple councils really that dealt with it. But by 390, so before that, there was all kinds of gospels, all kinds of letters. But then the church says this and only these 27 books of the, uh, the books of the New Testament. So it was the church that said that. And so we believed in the Eucharist before we even had the Bible there, you know, from the very beginning. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they dedicated themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to the breaking of the bread, to the communal life, and to the prayers. You know, so breaking the bread was Eucharist. You know, the first thing Jesus ever did, of course, when he was on the road to Emmaus is he broke open the bread and they recognized him and he, he vanished from their sight. He did the Eucharist. That's the whole point. So again, just always just be grateful to them, say that. So thank you for being so concerned about me, but then share with them what Jesus has done for you and why you believe what you believe and how you've experienced him in the Eucharist or in confession or uh, you experience him in the family with the saints that, you know, just today, those of you who go to daily mass, you heard Jesus talk about an Old Testament saint, Abraham. And Lazarus, when he died, he went to the bosom of Abraham. You know, and so you don't have to be afraid of saints. Jesus talked about him. And then, you know, when he was transfigured, he was with the Old Testament saints of Moses who was alive and the prophet who was alive. So again, it's all very, you know, everything we believe, we believed from the beginning, you know, and so it's later on that people, even Martin Luther believed everything in the church. It was his followers, you know, it's really separated, but he wanted to die Catholic because he knew that, you know, you're not supposed to divide us. That's why there's people in this, uh, in the church today that's seeking about dividing us and they're dividing us and dividing us. There's not much of a difference between uh, the early Protestants and what's happening today. We gotta stay faithful. The Catholic Church will always lead us in truth. We gotta believe that and have hope in that. And so not despair like other pagans do. We never should despair. We should always have hope. We should always have trust. So again, hope that helps. And again, just pray for them because they do care about you. But still, it's, uh, yeah, I know. Okay, let's go on. Greetings from Brazil. Good to have you here with us today. How do you handle when you have sins pop up over and over and not get discouraged? <laughs> we all have sins pop up over and over because we're all weak human beings. And the only thing I can tell you is when I fall into the same sins again and again, like right after I'm done here, I'm going to go right up the road to see my shrink. <laughs> and the reason I see a, a psychologist every week now, almost two years, is because of my anger issues. Because again, no matter how 
I even tried, okay, I'm never going to get angry again. Every time I go to confession, I have to say that and mean it. And then I do really, really good, really, really good. And all of a sudden it's, bam, something I explode for whatever reason. It's just something that, and there's a lot of reasons why that happens is my brought up, my father was an alcoholic, I, uh, uh, being abused, all those things create wounds inside of you and me that if someone like my, if someone, if you have, a, uh, if someone just comes and touches your knee, no big deal. But if your knee just fell and they touch it, you're going to react. And so when we are uh, hurting inside or whatever, then we're going to pop off and be angry or whatever. Excuses. But the point of it is, is you just keep getting up and you just keep focusing on Jesus. You don't focus on yourself because when we focus on ourselves and our weakness, we just keep falling and we get so discouraged. And the devil loves to keep us focused on ourselves and on our past. You know, people come and they'll say, Father, I have to confess something. Now, I confess this every time I go to confession. I always say, don't you glorify Satan in my presence. What? I said, one drop of the blood of Jesus. Do you confess that? Yes. Were you sorry for that? Yes. But I don't feel forgiven. I said, I don't care how you feel. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for that sin, so you praise him. The devil wants to keep you focused on being in bondage. That's a lie. You're not in bondage. You confess that Jesus set you free. So again, stay focused on Jesus and not on yourself when it comes to sin. Jesus, I trust in thee. You know, again, divine mercy, I think I say that prayer more than any other prayer. Jesus, I trust in thee. Jesus, I trust in thee. Jesus, I trust in thee. Because if it's up to me, I'm going to hell. It's just that simple. It's up to him and him inside of me. And again, getting my strength from him. And again, we get better. You know, like someone already, uh, you, yeah, I think it was you, Chris, that sat there and like, uh, uh, I was telling the people last week, I was, when I was in uh, Michigan, I mean, where was I? Cincinnati last week doing a parish mission and a priest came over to visit. And I was talking to them about, uh, someone came and said, you know, the Father Larry Richards of 10 years ago would kick the butt of the Father Larry Richards today. And he said, so what do you think about that? Because I think that priest agreed too. <laughs> he says, I'm hoping I'm not the same priest I was 10 years ago because I've been praying every day. And if I'm not changing in my prayer, if my heart isn't changing, if my life isn't changing, then I'm not really praying. One of the first things I remember, I was uh, at a priest retreat, and this priest was a great priest. He still, I think, runs uh, Trinity Center up in New York. Uh, he talked about St. John Chrysostom, And St. John Chrysostom said, to pray is to change, and to change is to pray. And if you're not changing, you're not praying. So, I am hoping that I'm not the person I was 10 years ago that I am today. So, I'm growing. And again, that's why as I get growing and I'm more, I don't want to condemn people. anymore. I'm tired of all that stuff. It just isn't that big of a thing for me anymore because it doesn't change anybody. What changes people is helping them know the love of God in their hearts and their lives and that they want to be with God. They're not afraid of going to hell, which I just am convinced 95% of Catholics, the only reason they're Catholic, because they're afraid of going to hell. They go to mass because I don't want to go to hell. And again, it's all about them. It goes back to that, to the messianic secret. God doesn't want this to be about us, even though he does everything for us, but he wants us to learn to be like him. So when we're struggling with sin, when we're falling into the same sin and again, say, Jesus, I can't stop. Be honest. 
but I know you can inside of me. And let's say it's something that has lust in it. I always talk about the best way to deal with lust. I'm going to tell you all how to deal with it right now. And this will be mostly for the men, but women, you have lust too. The way Jesus dealt with it. And how did Jesus deal with lust? Not lust, but any sin when he was tempted. He, remember, we just heard this a couple weeks ago, but after Jesus was baptized, it says the spirit led him into the desert, right? So first, before Jesus dealt with the devil, he had to come to know who he was. You are my beloved son. For you to deal with the devil in your own life, you got to know you are God's beloved daughter, or you got to know that you are God's beloved son. You got to know that. And that comes from your prayer, and that comes from being still. And so in your prayer, it's just so important that you just don't talk, 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 talk. You just don't say your rosary. I say rosary every day before most of you are awake. Say the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day before most of you are awake. I'm not saying don't do that. Of course you do that. But I am saying that you must be still and you must let the Father hold you. You got to know who your dad is or you're going to be always trying to fill the emptiness inside with something other than God. Only he can fill your emptiness. So first you got to know who you are. You're a beloved child of God. Then you got to know that you have power, meaning that the God of the universe lives inside of you through his Holy Spirit. So it was the spirit of the living God in Jesus' humanity that gave him the strength to deal with the devil and led him to deal with the devil. And then what happens is he takes the holy word of God and he shoves it down the devil's throat. And as he shoves it down the devil's throat, the devil leaves him. So you got to, in prayer, know who you are. Secondly, you can't be always focusing on your weakness. I'm just weak. I'm just weak. I always fall. I'm just weak. I'm just weak. I'm just weak. We get it. We know it. Get over it. You have God's Holy Spirit inside of you. You have Jesus inside of you who's already conquered the evil one. You don't have to live a life of, I'm afraid of the devil. Tell the devil to go to hell. That was what a priest the other day goes, oh, I don't think I want to confront the devil because then he's going to throw everything at me. He's not going to throw it at you alone. He's going to throw it at you with Jesus inside of you. Big difference. Now, of course, he loves to throw crosses. Trust me. The time I've been best is the time I've been attacked the most. But so what? God uses it for your humility. He uses it for his glory. So don't worry about it. But don't be afraid. Don't be constantly living in fear. And then, so use the God's Holy Spirit to combat your temptations. And then, so whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever sin it is. So it could be gossip. It could be anger. It could be lust. It could be idolatry. It could be selfishness. It could be slander. It could be God, whatever it is. Put that, just go into Google and say, Google, I mean, uh, uh, lust and scriptures dealing with lust. And then you, it'll bring you a whole list of things up or dealing, uh, scriptures dealing with, uh, uh, gossiping. It'll bring you a whole thing up or de- whatever it is. And then you take one or two of those verses and you memorize them because the power of the word of God is unbelievable. Jesus used it and he is the word of God. And so when you're being tempted, always invite Jesus into your temptation, always. And then take the verse that you have memorized and shove it down the devil's throat and the devil will run. So that's just a very practical way so you don't get discouraged that you know you do have power, you know who you are, you know that it's a struggle we all go through, but you can be victorious in your struggle. Okay, so hopefully 
that helps. Uh, Father Larry, no Johnson and Johnson vaccine for us. Catholics go to the other vaccine. Yes, yes, almost all the bishops, our bishop just said that. We shouldn't be doing the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because it has a direct relation to abortion. So that's why we, we cannot do that. You should go with the Pfizer or the uh, Moderna. I think it's Moderna. But anyway, I got the Pfizer one. My second shot was uh, three weeks ago. So I'm all done, had no complications or anything. You know, there's some people that are going out there saying like now it has microchips in there. People of God, could we live our life without fear? Could we just be trusting in God that not everybody's wacky around us? And if everybody is wacky around us, God will deliver us. Huh? He just will. So don't try to be the Savior. Just do what we need to do. And of course, no Johnson & Johnson thing for us is what uh, is happening. Okay. One of the speakers last week of the 2232 conference said to put a crucifix in every room in your house. What was the reason for that? Remember, he had talked about uh, how to be victorious or how to get over yourself. It's from, that was John Leonetti, and John Leonetti uh, talked about, uh, he wrote a book called Get Over Yourself. And so then I asked him, so what practical thing can you do to get over yourself? And he says, the most practical thing you can do is put a crucifix in every room. Now, at the rectory, if you come to the rectory, every room, including the bathroom, has a crucifix for that very reason that when you look at a crucifix, it's over here. Yes, when you look at a crucifix, as I've said a million times, there's nothing on that crucifix that was about Jesus. Talk about getting over yourself. Everything Jesus did on the cross, he did for love of us and for love of the Father. The only thing he did was die a horrible, horrible death. And so that reminds us that when we look at a cross, that's the kind of life I'm called to live, right? Because God is love and he created us to be love because Christ was love incarnate and his disciples should also be love incarnate. Now, again, it doesn't mean you go around la, 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 la. I will never become a la, la person. People like me too. They write letters to me saying, Father, we think you're arrogant. And that's all true. And Father, you're like, yes, it's all true. But it's about giving your life for others in your personality. So the crucifix will help you and me get over ourselves. And again, someone like an ego like mine takes a lot to get over myself. But when I look at a cross and think God wants me to give away my life today, serve to others today, not be focused on me, that's what I got to do. And so the cross is a reminder uh, that that's what I got to do. But it's also the reminder about that's what I'm worth. You know, like, I, again, when I do a mission last week, I just sat there and says, under every cross, you should have two words for me, meaning that everything he did, he did because he loved you. Didn't do it for him. He got over himself. Everything he did, he did for you. And so if we're just even grateful for that, that you paid for my sins. You took it all upon yourself. You did it all for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. What a great, it gives us a grateful heart. 
So hopefully that, but that's why he told us to do that. And that was, I thought it was a great conference last week. I was very happy with it. We have the women's conference coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, 138 women. So uh, it's a virtual conference and uh, personal if you're in the Diocese of Erie. But even if you're not in the Diocese of Erie, you can go to 138 women and it'll click the thing about the conference and you can find that uh, I'm the MC for the conference. They have great women speakers there. It's only from nine to noon that day. So it's a shortened version of all that, but it's going to be a great conference. So you ladies out there, just go to 138women.com or just put 138 in Google. I'm not sure if it's .com or not, but it's coming up in a couple of weeks. You want to be there. Okay. So I just read the Holy Souls can pray for us according to Ascension Press. Well, then they can. I didn't know they can. I've always said they can. But Ascension Press, yeah, there you go. I've heard this before, but I think I heard you say about a month ago that they couldn't pray for us. Again, that's the way I was taught. That's why they need us to pray for them. And again, the way I was taught is you pray for the poor souls in purgatory. And then when they get to be saints because of your prayers and doing things to get them out, then they pray for you as saints. So if they can, I stand corrected. Um, but I, I have never seen official teaching on this. So if uh, even if Ascension Press says it, or if another priest says it, my whole thing is, uh, can you show me a document that says that? Because sometimes uh, we have theological opinions out there, and I have a theological opinion too, whatever, but that it has to, like for the official teaching of the church, well, it has to come from a document. So it'd be great if you could find the actual document. And again, I don't know everything. People think I think I know everything, but I promise you I do not. So of course I can uh, get things wrong, but for that, you know, like even the things as purgatory, officially the church teaches two things about purgatory. All those other things are uh, theological opinion and saints' uh, uh, visions. But the two things the church teaches about purgatory officially is one, that it exists, and two, it's a good and holy thing to pray for the dead. So everything else out there. So again, if there's something in Ascension Press, that would be great. But I'd love Ascension Press isn't the dogma of the church. So a dogma of the church has to be one of the councils or the catechism. So if you just look at the catechism and put poor souls in there, and if that comes up, that'd be great because I have no idea. Uh, really, I should ask Father Wright, the guy that lives with me. He's on vacation right now because that's his whole life is the poor souls in purgatory. It's his whole, he's dedicated his whole priesthood to that. So, and which is a very good thing. So, okay. How do we break through silence? How do we break through silence with God? Or how do we... I think that the best thing to do when it comes to our prayer is we just got, like, on my back, uh, the wall at my parish where we have perpetual adoration. It's Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. For some people, and especially in a world where we're so used to being stimulated every moment of every day, even when you're driving, you're driving with a car, uh, radio on or something else, you just got to learn to be still. But if you can't do that yet, just go to his holy word. You know, so this is my little, my little New Testament Bible. So if you go and like, let's say you get a little Bible like this and you carry it with you. You can use your phone, of course, for that. Anyway, so you have it. And when you're sitting in a doctor's office or you're sitting, wait and start reading the word of God. This will develop the silence inside of you because now you're listening to what God is saying to you. Because this is his holy word. It's like God is right there whispering in your ear every time you read this stuff. What is God saying to you? And that'll help you grow in silence. 
But again, it's something, excuse me, that the Holy Spirit has to develop within you. But you got to make time for that, but you got to be still. And again, like I've said a million times, I've wanted to say on that wall the time when I put it up 16 years ago was, shut up and know that I am God, instead of uh, be still, because I would be still. Just shut up. Listen to him. You know, again, when I'm teaching people how to pray and encourage you, if, uh, if you want to have a walkthrough of this, you can go to our website, The Reason for Our Hope, and just get the thing on prayer. You can just listen to it online, too. You don't have to get the CD. Who listens to CDs anymore? But in there, I walk people through a prayer experience, meaning that I just actually tell you, okay, this is, uh, here, this is what I want you to do. So you pray the Holy Spirit, you become, close your eyes, you be still, and you just breathe for a moment. Because again, I think it's so important before we ever enter into any kind of prayer that we breathe. Why? Because the Spirit of God is called Ruah, R-U-A-H, which means breath, spirit. It's, the, it's the, the way God gave us life in the very beginning when God took Adam and he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. So when you and I can become still, because uh, the supernatural always builds on the natural. So for you to breathe and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and you just breathe in three times at least for in honor of the Holy Trinity, just say, do the three breathes deep and then let it go and relax more in each time. And then imagine Jesus is in front of you or God the Father is in front of you, whoever you feel most attracted to at that moment. And do three things. Tell him you're sorry and don't make excuses for sins. Don't Please don't do what people do in confession and pull out their little lists so they can get everything in. Just tell Jesus you're sorry for hurting him through your sin, from hurting others through your sin, from hurting yourself through your sin. Don't make any excuses. Just tell him you're sorry. Next, you just surrender your life to God. And again, that's the hardest thing because it's going to kill you. Say, Lord, I completely surrender everything to you. I consider under my body, my mind, my money, my family, my sexuality. It's all yours. <sighs> so first you say you're sorry. Second, you say you surrender. And then the most important part, one minute from sorry, one minute I surrender. And then three minutes is just hold me. And you close your eyes and you just feel the God of the universe putting his arms around you. At the Last Supper, John the Evangelist put his head on the chest of Jesus, the bosom of Jesus, and he listened to his heartbeat. And every time we go to Mass, we do that. If you watch Mass with us every day, I do it every day on purpose because it's there that you hear the heart of God. And every time his heart beats, he says, I love you. He has a real heart. Jesus is still man and still God. And so he still has a real heart. So I'm sorry, I surrender, hold me. One minute I'm sorry, one minute I surrender, three minutes hold me. And then Jesus says, pray with me the words that I taught you. And then with Jesus, you pray with him the Lord's prayer. Okay? It'll transform you. And then when you wake up or you open your eyes, you're in the midst of this, think there is never a moment where God's not holding you. Never. But just like we have to stop and be still of our breathing, and think about it. You breathe 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You never stop breathing. Breathing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's what keeps you alive. But how often do you become aware of your breath? Almost never. And yet this is the very essence that keeps you alive physically. 
The same with God. God is always with us. There isn't a moment in your life that he's not with you. If you, if, if God would stop loving you or thinking about you for one second, you would cease to exist. We only exist by the will of God. So he's always thinking of you, always loving you. But you and I got to be still and become aware of his love. That's why I'm sorry, I surrender, hold me, will help you in that process. I've been doing it for many years, teaching it for many years. It'll help you if you try it. So add it to your prayer if you want, if that's going to help you. Okay. Next, Father is playing Facebook and Instagram, wasting time, even if we put good God stuff. Well, I go every day on morning prayer and Instagram, I mean, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and I put my scripture verses on Twitter, everything in the morning, everything at night. In the morning, it's always a kick in the butt from the scriptures like today. And so, uh, and then at night, it's always something peaceful because I think we need both in the spiritual life. So some people love the night ones. They don't like the morning ones. So I had a, a buddy, a pagan buddy of mine who's on my board for the foundation. It sat there and says, did you really say if you're not generous today, you're going to be damned? I go, yes, of course I did. <laughs> He's gone. Oh, I said, well, that's the gospel. What do you want from me? That's the story. I can only preach what God tells me. So the reality is, so uh, you can go on, but you can bring good. But if you're on Facebook and Instagram and you're just talking about how bad people are and this is wrong and that's wrong, nobody cares what you think. Let me tell you, the only thing you're doing is cursing the darkness. No one's going to come to God because of your anger, my anger, my judgment. It ain't going to happen. You think people are going to sit there and say, oh, look at she said that. Oh, I should start listening. No, it's an act of narcissism when we do these things. Put things on the Zoom and all these things that are going to help others. You know, what's going to change others is the love of God. That's the way Jesus did it. It got to be the way we did it. I'm sorry. He did that with everybody except for the Pharisees. The Pharisees he was harder on. But you got to remember you're a Pharisee, and so am I. You know, it's just that simple. You know, Father, don't call me a Pharisee. Uh, the truth hurts. I'm a Pharisee. You know, people sit there and say, Father, I think you're a hypocrite. Don't think it. Know it. I s preach well, but I don't live well. That's just the reality of who I am. And I'm st constantly growing to get better. But there's still things of hypocrisy in my heart and my life. Don't be surprised. You know, like, oh, Father is whatever. You know, someone, I was, again, a couple of weeks ago, I was down at one, not on my board, one of the young people, and he says, Father, if people only knew the way you can be, <laughs> and I go, people should know. I mean, I, I don't try to hide anything. This is who I am, is who I am. Uh, a sinner trying to become a saint, but a saint, you know, the only, uh, we only have one option, two options at the end, become a saint or go to hell. So I'm constantly striving to be a saint, but I still don't believe that saints were la-la people, that they tiptoed through the tulips. They were all real people, real people. That's why I always think that the way uh, we should make statues of the saints is to make them look real. You know, sometimes we make them look so pious and that, then how can I relate to that? Because you're called to be a saint too. We have a, uh, one of our uh, young people who's Jewish and great kid, and he's RCIA, and he spends almost every day in front of the Blessed Sacrament in the Adoration Chapel. Can you imagine? And so we, in light of election we had in our parish last week, and I said, Sammy, or Samuel, God wants to make a saint out of you. So one day, hopefully, we're going to have a saint of Saint Samuel here in the church for you who are baptized in our church. 
And he told uh, the RCIA guy, hey, tell them uh, they don't have to make a full statue of me. Just a bust would be fine. <laughs> you know? So, But again, just to put that onto someone who's coming into the church, God's will for you is to be a saint. That's what God wants, and he'll do everything in his power to get you to heaven. So we got to cooperate with that. Okay, so uh, let's go on here. Do, 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 do. Uh, truth and love. I, I, again, uh, thanks for making that comment. I, I, that's always been my thing, that we gotta, we got to speak truth. We just got to, because truth is what saves people. But we got to speak it in love because, again, if we just speak truth without love, it's rape. It's a spiritual rape of people. God is love, so and he is also truth. But we have to put it together because ultimately, as Jesus said through his word, God is love. So you always got to bring these two together. So, again, I always say that you should never, ever say anything negative to anybody unless you're willing to die for them. And say, okay, Father, I'll die for them. Okay, then fast for them tomorrow in bread and water. I ain't going to do that. Then you're not willing to die for them. Can't say anything, even to challenge them until you're willing to die. Again, that's why I say the way to bring people to Christ is to every day to pray for them, love them, and then tell them. Pray for them, love them, and then tell them. I need like a big sign here about what time it is, so I'm looking at my watch. Anyway, so that's the way we do with anything. Before, we have to correct our brother or sister. You shouldn't correct a brother or sister unless you've prayed for them, unless you love them. Because, you know, if I know that someone doesn't like me or they want me to change or they're judging me and they tell me something I got to change, I'm the type that I'm going to do the opposite just because that's going to make you mad. And I want to make you mad. Why? Because you don't like me and you're going against me and you're trying, you're judging me and thinking you're better than I am. So you're going to tell me that. I'm not going to change. I'm going to get worse in that reality just to make you mad. But if someone loves me, I'll do anything for them. Except sin, of course. But I'll do anything. I'll listen to them because I know they care about me. And I don't think I'm alone in this. Isn't it the way you are? If you know someone doesn't like you or they're judging you and they don't even know you, we judge people on Facebook. We don't know anything about them except they give one opinion about something we hate them. The opposite. All people who know you're my disciples, Jesus said, because you love one another, period. That's what Jesus said. Don't play any games with this. John 13, verse 34 and 35. 34 says, this is my commandment, love one another. Verse 35 says, all people know you're my disciples because you love one another, period. It's just as simple as it is. So before you criticize, before you challenge, because you're trying to help people, I'm trying to help to get them to heaven, you won't be able to do it unless you love them first. And again, it doesn't mean you become la-la. The people I love the most are the people I pick on the most. I make fun of them. I do all this stuff. Usually only guys, like usually can't do that to women. They get, they start crying. But anyway, but that's the way because that's the, that's my personality. But people will know that I love them, that I do things for them as best as I can. Again, so first you pray for them. So you should have a prayer list and you write them down because when you pray for people, you're uh, bringing the grace of God upon them. Then you love them so that they'll be open to hearing what you say about them. And then you witness about the glory of God in your life. And that can really bring salvation to others and change of other people's hearts. That's just that. That's what works. 
trust me on this. I've been doing both ways throughout the years. And I'm thinking, oh, no wonder God was getting on my case. When I was young, my spiritual director, God rest him, he used to get on my case more than anything about my anger. Boy, would he, and my judgment. <laughs> so do you see why I'm always coming against those things? Because it's me. I'm talking to me. God's convicting me, and I got to stop doing this, and I got to grow, and so I'm just passing it on. That's all. So let's go on. Submitting to God's will, how far should we go? Meaning you should die. Would that mean we stop working and expect God to take care of us? What is the right balance? If God told you to stop working, then if that's his will, then he'd send you to something else. Some people stop working so they can become missionaries. But again, that has to be God's will. That's why it's very important. You don't make any of those type decisions unless you have a spiritual director because the devil can appear to you as an angel of light and meaning that, you know, like again, Padre Pio, who we've always already talked about, you know, once the devil appeared to him as Jesus Christ. And once the devil appeared to him as the blessed mother. So the angel can come off to you and appear as something great and good and glorious because he's an angel of light. That's why you need a spiritual director to sit there and help you discern God's will. The easiest way to know if you're in God's will is in his will is our peace. It'll bring you peace. You know, and so if, uh, you know, but again, you should ask anything anything to God. You know, sometimes God's called people to become martyrs, to give up their life for him. Called me to be a celibate. He called me to be a priest. I knew it and I've done it. And I love it. You know, there are days when everything else, it struggles, but such is life. It's part of the, it's part of the thing. But if you know God's will, you'd never have to be afraid of it, you know, and he'll give you peace about it. So, but again, some people think, oh, maybe I should just live a life of poverty and give up everything. If God tells you to do that, once years ago, one of my old spiritual directors, he came in and he says, uh, Father, I'm saying three rosaries a day. This is, well, there were still only three rosaries in the past before John Paul put the extra uh, decade, I mean, the extra mysteries in. And I said, why are you saying uh, three rosaries, uh, three rosaries every day? Well, he said, don't you think that'd be a good thing to do? And I says, did I tell you to do that? No. Did Jesus tell you to do that? No, I just thought it'd be a good thing. Don't do anything unless God tells you to do it. Because sometimes what we think can be good, it's just our own, we're filling our own pride and our own uh, vanity. Because uh, look at if I give up everything. So you just got to make sure whatever you, you got to seek God's will. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk more about that. I can't fill it all in now. We only have five more minutes, but you got to seek God's will. But it's always important to have a spiritual director help you discern that. Okay, I... Absolutely. need people to help me discern God's will. Okay. Hello, Father Larry. Apo here. Oh, nice. Good to see you. I was on their thing for them. Okay. Just wishing you the very best. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks for praying for me. What a good guy. Um, Bishop Bill Wack on the Panhandle lived in my dorm at Notre Dame. Oh, dear. That poor guy. I'm so sorry, Chris. That's terrible to say. Okay. Hopefully, we'll have you again on Wednesday session. Eric, hopefully, we can do that again. Is it true you do not have to have our Lenten fast promise on Sundays? It is, as long as it's not sin. So let's say you gave up gossiping for Lent, and then you say, okay, uh, uh, I can gossip on Sundays. No, because that's a sin. You shouldn't do it anyway. But let's say you decided to give up chocolate, pagan 
chocolate. Jesus died for you and you gave up chocolate for him. But anyway, it's all beside the point. So you sit there and you, uh, you can eat chocolate on, uh, on Sundays because it's always, every Sunday is a little Easter. It's always a celebration of uh, Easter time. Secondly, you can also eat what, or do that stuff on solemnities. Like this year, the feast, the great feast of St. Joseph, March 19th is on a Friday. So you don't have to abstain or fast that day. It's a solemnity. You can celebrate. You know, I love the story. You know, I was ordained on the Feast of Teresa Avila and the Carmelites nuns who I was, you know, they're not here anymore, but I was very close to them, especially the mother. My very first mass was there. And, uh, I used to love the Carmelites. And so Teresa Avila, she, you know, she, once she was sitting there going crazy, it was a feast day and she's eating all this partridge. She's like an animal eating all this stuff. And he says, mother. And she says, when you, when you fast, fast, but when you partridge, partridge, you know, so blah, blah, blah. she loved it. God rejoices in us. You know, God doesn't give us all this stuff and says, I just want to see you suffer. If God created us just to suffer, what kind of God would that be? God created us according to teaching the church. Why did God make me? God made me to know him, to love him and serve him. Why? So I can be happy with him forever. That's why God created us for happiness. If not, he'd be a miserable God. Hey, I just want to create you. I want to give you life. You didn't ask for it, but I just want to give that because I want to see how you suffer. Well, thank you. Why'd you create me? God is love. That's why he created you and he wanted to love you. So you can rejoice you can fat. You can uh, enjoy life too. You can fast too. You need to do both. But remember, remember that when Jesus was there and the other the Pharisees were on his disciples' case because they says, "How come we all fast and your disciples do not?" And he says, "While I'm here, do you expect them to fast? <laughs> oh, come on, they'll fast later. So there's time for both in our life. Don't just make your life one-sided." Fill it with fasting, but fill it with self-denial and fill it with joy and fill it with celebrating and rejoicing in life too. All things are allowed for him. Okay, what time does this start? My screen flashing started soon and has been quite a while. Sorry, uh, behold, we started at three o'clock. We are almost over in two minutes. Okay, I can't get to the rest of these uh, questions here. I'll sit there and what I'll do is I'll write them down so that other times, if we don't have as many questions, I can answer them later, later on. But again, I'm just so grateful that you came and spent this hour with me. I, I, I'm sure that uh, it can be boring just to sit there and listen to me. Uh, so we're gonna, you know, like again, once a week we'll do it this way, another, uh, another time of the week we'll have podcasts with other people. And hopefully that'll be more interesting than just sitting there listening to me. But I want you to make sure that you ask us questions, huh? And you can do that. And if you wanna email it, just go to the Reason for Our Hope and it says email Father Larry and you'll be able to answer it there. You can go to my website for my parish. Again, the same thing, stjoesbol.org, uh, stjoesbol.org, and you go to my page, and you just hit the bottom, email Father Larry, and that goes directly to me. So again, thank you very much for being with us. Be people of hope. Be an ambassador of hope. People should see you and think, they are so hope-filled. Where did they get that? From Jesus. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.